And welcome back to The Accelerator with Michael Conniff. That's me. We are a podcast dedicated to bringing entrepreneurs and founders and startups together with angel investors, uh, venture capitalists, family offices, investment firms. Uh, we do not make recommendations to buy. You are urged to do your own research. But we do try to follow our nose and, and, and come across things that we think will be of interest to everyone. And part of that is uh, finding the right people. And I, with that said, I want to introduce and tell you it's my pleasure to introduce Dr. Irene Kalubi, uh, who is coming to us live today from Germany. And you have the best background we've had on any podcast. So congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> it was um, a little gift. Yes. It was. Okay. There, you know, there you go. I'm sure there's a story behind that. But um, Dr. Uh, Kalubi is a really fascinating person and kind of um, a pivotal person, I think, in Germany. And you, you are German, right? Exactly. And so tell us about um, how you came into this, this area of uh, startups and entrepreneurs, and in particular, promoting um, women entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. In fact, it was a coincidence. I worked at BMW. I was employed several years. And then I had a special project, special assignment. I was responsible for the research and university corporations with uh, BMW. And then it all started. I was close to um, the startup center here in Munich. And then one step came to after another, I started holding workshops, giving coaching, mentoring other startups, and also giving lectures at the university. And um, one day, people approached me and said like, okay, do you want to um, support us building up our startup, uh, building up our accelerator programs? Because they felt like um, I was the right person to go for. And um, that's what I did. In fact, I was full-time employed, but did my side hustles supporting the startup ecosystem. And then many more projects came along, as you know, like once you enter the startup scene, there's no um, turning back anymore. So yeah. that's the way I started. And then I also entered a business angel network. I became a jury member for many different events. And then eventually I received an assignment as an expert advisor at the European uh, Commission at the European Innovation Council Accelerator. So here I am now. Yes, that's a lot of activity. But I want to ask you... Um specifically about the European Innovation Council Accelerator. So this is part of the EU, but what, what is that and what is the purpose and how active is that? Yes, it's a major project. They have billions of uh, funding, um, in particular for later stage uh, startups. And they have set up a program called Horizon where startups can apply if they have a high technology level of um, innovation and mm -hmm. if they have the first traction and if they need a lot of money because most of the time uh, they receive between two, 2 million and 5 million euro funding so those are major projects right mm -hmm. so most of them are really focused on hardware but more and more they're also funding software uh, solutions so what would be kind of a typical project that the european commission would be interested in um, everything that has deep technology or that has a technology that can be patented. So, you know, you cannot come there and say like, okay, um, 
I I don't know. I want to build up um, a platform that already exists in a similar manner, but it must be radical innovation, right? I can't tell you specifically, okay, this topic is of interest because they have many focus areas. It can be in HR, in education, sustainability, automotive, mobility, everything, right? As long as it's a radical innovation and you can patent the technology and you have the first uh, and paying customers as well for this program. Mm -hmm. Of course, they have many different other programs, but this is the one I'm assigned to and this is the most important one. And, and um, what in particular are you looking for, whether it's as uh, an investor, an advisor, um, what, what do you think? I'm always looking, asking the question, I call it the special sauce, the secret sauce. What, what do you, what do you mm -hmm. particular what entrepreneurs, what kinds of businesses? Mm -hmm. I always say like, um, there are three factors that have to be, uh, in alignment. First of all, um, are there any, uh, societal, um, let's say trends, technological trends and economic trends that speak for their solution, right? For example, if there's a solution um, that tackles the challenge of the demographic change or that, I don't know how it is in, in the US, but in Germany, we are facing the problem. We have uh, not so many experts in the area of crafting or IT and so on. And then, of course, um, if the technology is totally new, something like with AR, digital twins, and so on. So those are the three major aspects I look at. So um, you could also say that the timing is very important. Is their solution mm. really timely? And is there also potential to scale this solution? Because there are many great um, business models out there, but I cannot really figure out how they want to scale it, right? Hmm. That's interesting. And so timing, how do you know when it's, how can you tell if it's too early or too late? Yes, as I, as I mentioned, if um, there's a certain trend you can observe, of, co of course, there are also trends that don't uh, resist for, for a long time. So you have to be um, forward thinking. Is it, is it a trend that is there to stay? And are people talking about this? Is it an urgent problem, right? Is it mm -hmm. something that can change society, impact our world? And so those are some hints that can um, tell you whether it's the right timing for it. Because sometimes solutions are very, very good, but they're too early, right? Mm -hmm. So that uh, uh, customers out there are not ready for those solutions, you know? Yeah, and of course, of you have to do the proof of concept always. Do your proof of concept, right? Talk to yep. your customers out there. Do they really need this solution? And of course, is there a real problem that you are tackling? So when you, when you speak to an entrepreneur, um, are you generally, how would you describe your relationship? Are you a, obviously you're an advisor or a consultant, but, but are you a cheerleader? Are you someone who has to provide emotional support as well as uh, kind of some of these more technical uh, support mm -hmm. issues? Yes. <laughs> um, I would say like, I know I have to change it, but I'm most of the time too much involved, you know, because I, <laughs> I, <laughs> you get my point because um, I always yeah. feel like 
when I'm really passionate about the team, about the, the idea, um, I want to get involved. Sometimes I feel like a member of, like a co-founder, right? In fact, um, I know there are different types of investors. Some are just the money givers, some are smart money givers, and some are even those who also support you in the operations and so on. And I know I have to step back from time to time because otherwise I cannot handle all my duties. But um, I want to be there for them as well, right? You know, like um, I'm crying with them. I'm laughing with them. I'm happy uh, for them when they they move on and have success and so on, right? So there's a real, there's a real emotional connection. Mm -hmm. In my case, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought Germans weren't as emotional as Americans, no? Yeah, absolutely right. You know, but I also have a bit of African blood, so <laughs> I'm a good mi mixture. <laughs> you're, you're the right mixture. That's right. Now, tell us about some of the things you're doing now. You've got a company called um, Brandpreneurs and Brandfluencers. Brandfluencers. Um, mm -hmm. So, so what is uh, what what is a brandpreneur? What is a brandfluencer? Oh, a brandpreneur. It's a, um, yeah, it's a fantasy name, right? Brandpreneur, brandfluencers, because um, it's my little marketing agency where I support visionaries, change makers, and um, pioneers who want to make themselves visible online, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty strong on LinkedIn and I help them to gain some traction, to acquire new customers. And, um, my expertise lies in um, corporate influencer strategy and community building, right? There are several uh, networks and um, associations out there. I've been supporting early on also accelerators and incubators, right? So if they um, get started, I'm there to help them to grow, in fact, with my business. And then um, in terms of corporate influencer strategy, I think um, in the US you call it something like uh, brand advocates or brand ambassadors but corporate influencers mm -hmm. in germany it's um when you use your employees as brand and value ambassador i, I like this expression value ambassadors mm -hmm. of your organization because they're more authentic and uh, more credible than if you take an external influencer so i'm supporting large corporations in this case from the automotive mm -hmm. industry from the pharmaceutical industry uh to turn their employees into brand ambassadors and make themselves visible. So um, in, in how do you do that? I mean, these are big companies. There's lots of different agendas. Everybody's different, all kinds of people trying to do different things. How do you, how do you make that happen? Strategy is everything. I have a setup. It's called Corporate Influencer Canvas. Um, I also um, have a LinkedIn Learning Solutions course on this topic specifically. And when we get started, of course, uh, we have to um, select the right ambassadors, right? So it's mm -hmm. uh, setting up a concept, a plan, like what kind of personality are we looking for? Uh, what are the expectations? Um, do they need to create their own content? Um, I teach them in storytelling, content marketing. And also we also set up different formats, uh, like podcast formats or um, event formats. So it's a whole strategy that lies behind that. And we also need to clarify like legal issues, how they have to behave on social media, what they can do, what they can't do. They have really a good manual on how to proceed in this case. But um, before that, it's always a strategy, right? 
It starts with this strategy. How important is storytelling to startups? Oh, that's very important nowadays. In particular, because many people confuse the, the, the term social media. It's called social, you know? You don't go there on social media and try to sell um, your products and services. Of course, that's the, the 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 main objective, but you shouldn't come across too sellish, you know, and people out there want to know the founders behind the business. They want to know your story. They want to know your personality, how you feel, what is your purpose, what are your values? And then after that, they will get... Um, interested in knowing what kind of product and services you have to sell. So storytelling is everything, you know, because you can grab their attention at the first place. We're talking to Dr. Irene Kalubi. I hardly know how to describe you, Dr. Kalubi. You're an entrepreneur. You're certainly an advisor, a consultant, working both inside corporations and with startups. What do you find? Is, is there a different is there a big difference between the people you work in in a corporation and those you work in in startups? Are they really different? And if so, why and how? Totally different. Okay. <laughs> I had to, I, I really had to learn a lot because uh, while working with startups at the beginning, maybe still a little bit, you know, um, I got the feedback, Irene, we know you used to work in an environment uh, where people function immediately, uh, high-performing environment. And um, I learned that from time to time, the lack of structure, uh, the lack of focus sometimes, you know, and um, you always have to, to keep them up to date and always ask, like, have you done this? Have you considered this? Because most of the time they get lost, right? And um, they're also very much focused on the product only but i say there's so many other aspects that are important as well are your financials correct do you have the right time planning of course you also have lots of admin activities to conduct right and um also a bit of time management and um yes there's a total difference but i love the creativity that comes with people from uh, that are building up startups they are more creative um more open-minded because when you have been working a lot at a corporate level there um you are used to um being told what to do and you can't live your creativity so much anymore and that's what i really favor in terms of working with startups because um, they're so passionate about their idea, about the customer. They're very uh, customer obsessive. And I love that. Yeah, that's a, that's, that is a big difference. And now let me ask you about this. You're in Munich. Um, mm -hmm. You're based in Munich. Um, how would you describe the Munich startup scene and the startup scene in Germany uh, in general? Is it, is it robust? Is it, is it lively? Is it, is it growing? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So most of the time people compare the Munich ecosystem with the Berlin um, ecosystem. And the major difference is that in Berlin, they're um, mainly focused on B2C solutions, whereas mm -hmm. Munich is uh, pretty strong, um, strong in uh, B2B. You know, most mm -hmm. of the major companies are here. Right? Even those from the U.S. who have their dependency here in Munich, right? Mm -hmm. Microsoft, Google, 
And then we have the traditional German companies like BMW, like Siemens, MIN, and so on, all the large ones, right? So um, they are pretty much looking at B2B solutions. And um, I would say that Munich is totally growing right now because they are putting so much funding investment here in here. Lots of program for startups, lots of facilities and locations to meet, to hook up. Um, lots of venture capitalists that have um, been located here. Most of them started in Berlin, but some of them have a second uh, dependency here in Munich as well. So mm -hmm. it's, um, and the good thing about the Munich startup system is also most of us we know each other. You know, Berlin is so big nowadays and um, it's also very international. That's what lacking a bit in Munich. We're not so international right now, but we're getting better. But still, we're like a little family. Everyone knows each other. It feels for me at least this way, right? And that's amazing. Very, very supportive system in Munich. I can't tell about the billing system, but I just know that it's highly yeah. fragmented, um, very big, huge, right? What, what if you had, I mean, this is sort of a very general question, but what is different about German entrepreneurs, German founders, or are they different than founders in other parts of the world? What do you think characterizes them? <laughs> I think the first thing I can think of is that they don't think so big like the rest of the world, oh. in particular, like Americans, you know? Um, why, Americans, why, why, why don't they think big? I don't know. I think like uh, they're still stuck in this security thing, you know? Like to be on the safe side, really risk averse, you know? Mm -hmm. um, That's not good for startups. You have to be pretty risky. Risk, uh, risk. Uh, what's the opposite of averse? <laughs> risk a fiend? Yeah, we'll, yes. we'll go with that. Yeah, so they're they're cautious, I guess, is what you're saying. They tend to be cautious a little yes, bit. Yes, and, and I think it's also prone to our school system, you know, ah. how we grew up, how we have been educated. And um, Are we, you educated we haven't been taught. Excuse yeah, me. go ahead. Yeah, that, that was my question. We, we haven't been taught to be entrepreneurs. Hmm. I can tell also for myself, it was never an option for me to be an entrepreneur. You know, I grew up the way like, okay, uh, you do your studies and then you get a safe, safe employment at a large corporation. That's the typical mindset um, of German. You, you did that at BMW, right? Excuse me? You did that at BMW. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But that nowadays, I know that, first of all, security um, is an illusion. And next, um, how can you really uh, live up to your full potential? If you're always, um, first of all, insecure, and if you fear risk, you know, you can't be successful without taking any risk. Yeah, there's a leap of faith for sure that people have to take. And that, let me make this, um, before I let you go, I want to specifically talk about uh, women entrepreneurs, because I think you know a lot about that. You mm -hmm. know a lot of women entrepreneurs. Um, first of all, tell us, um, um, I can guess why you're interested in it, but what is it about working with women entrepreneurs that you like the most? Yes, what I what I like the most is um, that they're really passionate about their ideas. They're really passionate. And most of the time, when they um, build a startup, they want to do something for good, you know, something that uh, makes our society better. 
right? Mm. Um, women tend to have a different approach than men. Um, they don't focus on the money, first of all, um, which is, of course, not a good thing for investors, right? <laughs> first, they are triggered, oh, yeah. triggered by, by passion, and then next comes the money. But still, um, I experience that uh, women are getting tougher and tougher nowadays, right? Mm. They, they, they want it all. They want to have a career. They want to um, launch the best product out there. They want to outperform, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. it's a totally new generation of female entrepreneurs that is growing right now. We just need to give them the room and the option to do so, right? And Because you think uh, they're different from men in, in terms of the level of their passion? Hmm. Difficult to say. That's a very tough question. Yeah. <laughs> It's a tricky question. But, but I also think they, said... they, they, I can't say that they have a different level of passion, but I would say like they have a different approach of doing business. Also wow. in terms of networking, you know, building their community, selling their product. It's a different approach, I would definitely say. Right? Yeah, more of a communal approach, more of a networking approach, that type of thing. And... um more of a, you know, not so outgoing approach. I have the best product. My product is the best. Um, I'm changing the world. You know what I mean? So like, okay, well, you know, I just tried to make a product. I think it could be good. I think it could potentially help someone out there. I said like, and, and then they start also this thing. They Most of them, they think smaller than men. That's a major thing I, I notice. Women tend to think smaller than men, you know? I can give you an example. There was um, one uh, female entrepreneur and I asked her like, okay, you have this solution. So where do you want to start? Which region? And she said like, okay, um, I want to start in Munich and I want to be known for my services and products in Munich. And I said like, why only Munich? Oh, you know, because I know Munich. I have my net. I said like, why didn't you say Germany? And then she said like, oh, I just first want to start in Munich. And I said like, why didn't you say Europe? Why didn't you say in all over the world, you yeah. know? And what was, um, her, what was her answer? What did she say? Yeah, her answer was like, uh, yes, she first of all wants to try it out if it works out in Munich because it's easier for her to get access to different um, stakeholders. And um, yes, and, and then she said like, okay, and maybe it's uh, the whole world, it's a bit too big for her. That's what she said. She said, like, she, she's already satisfied if she can help people out in Germany. That was her final that's it. remark. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So so when you get um, someone like that that you're working with, do you try to convince them to look at the bigger picture, to look at a bigger opportunity? Um, Absolutely. Or do, do Absolutely. Do? Okay. And how do you do that? What do you say to them? So some this woman says, I like Munich. I'm very happy doing Munich. Uh, it'd be nice to do Germany and then I'm done. What do, you, what do you say to them? You talked about scalability before. So that obviously is not scalability. That's the no, opposite. Definitely no. not. Definitely yeah. not. Yeah. So what do you say to them? I hold them a motivational speech. I would say it's not only a motivational speech, but a preach, you know? I, if I'm really convinced about the product, I, I'm telling them like, You know, look at your product. It's amazing. You can, so many people can benefit from it. It uh, would be such a pity if only people from Germany would have access to it, 
you know? And I'm trying to convince her and trying to say like, um, give her example of, of other people, how they thought big, they started small and, you know, and most of the time they always say like, okay, I feel so energized after talking to you. I feel like everything is possible. And I say like, everything is possible and you are possible. You know, if you don't yeah. believe in yourself and your product, who else will, right? Yeah, no, and sometimes, really yeah, and sometimes also um, female entrepreneurs have the have the challenge in finding co-founders. And I tell them like, you know, your your co-founder is your first customer. If you can't handle after one or two years and you still don't have someone who wants to work with you or be your co-founder, you're doing something wrong because they're oh. the first person to convince Right. Yeah. yeah. And most of the time them. after they hear that, after two months, they have a co-founder. <laughs> they change their perspective because they say, oh, it's so difficult to find a co-founder. Some people are interested, but they're not committed. And um, after that, they say, oh, no, um, maybe later on. And when I um, hold uh, my, my preach, yeah, then sometimes it changes and then they rush and look for co-founders. We have a new nickname for you. You are now Dr. Irene uh, Irene Kalubi, the preacher. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, that's a good one. So um, um, how do you participate? Are you typically an investor, an advisor? Are you working as a consultant? Are you looking to get equity? How, how, do, you, how do you manage that? Oh, I'm a mixture between everything, I would say. like, But what I don't do, I always in, invest... Um, in a group, right? I'm not alone. Yeah. I've been investing uh, for four years now, and um, I'm in two different business angel networks, right? Or I, I would mm -hmm. say now three even. And then if there are interesting opportunities, then I invest um, with others together, right? But always in, always in a group. And, and what kind of investments are you looking for in particular? Oh, um, my passion is everything that has to do with um, education and HR. Oh, okay, HR. There's, I've been amazed at how much HR activity there is in startups. And I mean, it's. Uh, I work at New Chip Accelerator as a mentor, and they have yes. lists, you know, this long of people in yes. with HR startups, and yes. and I've seen a couple of really good ones too. Um, one called Fair Hire here that's now in the U.S. and. Um, mm -hmm. Another one in the U.S. called High Counselor, and we've done um, uh, podcasts with them. Yeah, yeah. so uh, you, it's you know what, uh, Michael? Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. You know what? There are so many startups um, within the last couple of years that came up with um, good solutions in HR, but there's no single startup in the HR sphere where I would say like they have tackled the major challenges that companies, institutions, organizations face in terms of HR, mm. in particular, everything that has to do with recruiting. Mm, interesting. I've seen lots of HR startups coming and going, and in the future, it will even be tougher due to the war of talents, the demographic change, and there are lots of good HR solutions needed out there. And most of the time, um, startups also focus on large corporations. Most of the time, they have their solutions somehow. But why not focus on small and medium enterprises as well? Because there is a lot of potential. And Dr. Kalubi, what's the best way for someone to reach you if they want to um, reach out and uh, get you involved <laughs> in their, what they're doing? 
Yes, uh, people who want to pull my legs, they say like, um, LinkedIn is my second home. So most of the time, and some people even say I answer much quicker <laughs> and faster on LinkedIn than by email or WhatsApp. So LinkedIn is the place where you can oh, find me. And I'm well. always happy yeah. to connect with so, like-minded uh, people. We actually, I think, first met on one of the unicorn pitches, or I first saw you on one. I think mm -hmm. you might have been a judge. Um, but it's uh, it's uh, delightful to know you and um, to have such a good contact in Germany. And I, I have a feeling things are going to change in Germany. I think it might might end up being less ins insular, insulated for uh, entrepreneurs and, and founders, um, particularly if there's, you know, um, you know, notable successes, obvious successes and, and some proof that Germany, you know, which which, you know, in the United States, um, we look at Germany as being, uh, I, I think I'm right in saying this, as being kind of a technological powerhouse, that German really? engineering and, you know, that there's so many positives there. So it's really great to have you on the accelerator. And um, I hope we can get you back in the future to tell us more good stories about startups. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thanks, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Dr. Kalubi. Um, and I want to thank you, our audience. Um, you can find me at Michael Conniff, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-C-O-N-N-I-F-F -F, on Twitter. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn, as uh, Dr. Kalubi suggested. Um, that's, that's a really good place to reach out. My email is mc at michaelconniff.com. Um, but in any event, um, we'll be back before you know it with our next accelerator. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, doctor. Thank you, Michael. <laughs>